Josh, sure, we've been part of Josh Chen for 12 years. Well, this is our 13th year. It goes quick, eh? I think it's our 13th year, huh? Jeez, time passes so quick, and I remember wandering into City Bowl years ago, and it was into this group of, uh, of believers that just loved Jesus. It was sometimes a little bit all over the place, didn't know what was really happening week to week, but Jesus was there, God was building his church, and we quickly got grafted in and got added into the life of, of, of what God was doing in, in and through this church, which in those days was in Fresno, basically, the far end of, of Sea Points. Um, yeah, and to see where we've ended up after all these years is, yeah, I mean, it's been an incredible journey, but it's gone so quick. Eh? It really has. Um, but anyway, the thing I wanted to leave with you this morning, um, and I want to really exhort Greenpoint in this, is, as, as I've said already, is for you guys to keep standing and to stand strong. There's so much that would come against us from the world, let alone from the enemy, the one who would seek to come against. There's so many things from the world and from the enemy to, to make us want to retreat or pull back. And so the scripture I had this, had this morning to really just deposit with you, and then there are a few others I'm going to weave into it, I think, but I'm going to try not be too long. It's from Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. Um, yeah, and Liam, I love the worship, Brie. Yes, it was incredible. It was anointed. Eh? Anyway, um, also love red. I like your red. Whenever I've realized when you're, really, when you're wearing red, I see. When you're wearing red, you've got your game face on. I've realized that. <laughs> and, uh, well, watch for that green points when, he rock, when he's wearing red. Anyway, um, it says, finally, Paul writing to the, to, yeah, to the churches, and this was really a letter that was circulated in, a, in the region into which the apostle Paul was working. And he said this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Remember, we have an enemy. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And look for how many times he says strong and stand. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, he's saying stand a lot. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. We always need to live ready, even when he says go to Gauteng or go to Benoni. Um, you kind of wish it would be, send me to um, Belito, Lord. Send me to Belito, but it's no, it's, uh, it's Benoni. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit. So praying in accordance with what is on God's heart with prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Yo, one of those portions of scripture, which if you've been a believer for any amount of time, you know, probably heard it a hundred times, and you might have heard some of it this morning, but maybe not all of it. But it's such, a, I just find it incredible as I, as I read through Ephesians and I read through this letter, which was so significant for the early church. 
and which was circulated amongst them in terms of like a blueprint of how they were to live in many ways as believers, I find it so significant that Paul, at the end of his letter, just hammers this thing home of steadfast and calling them to stand strong. And so I want to I agree with what Paul did here and say, stand strong, but don't, stra- don't stand strong in your own strength because the tests will come, the trials will come, and if you're standing in your own strength, you will grow weary, you will grow weak. And maybe some of you will need to grow weary and grow weak in order to truly find him. But when you find him, stand strong in him. Allow him to strengthen you. Allow him to do something inside of you so that the mystery of the gospel can be proclaimed through your life. That's what Paul was standing for. He was an ambassador, not for himself, not for his wisdom. He was a very educated, wise man. But he was an ambassador for the mystery of the gospel that it transformed his life. And I want to leave that with you this morning. And so the mystery here, and we know he speaks about the mystery of the gospel, but the the New Testament, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then the New Testament show us that the good news of God is no longer a mystery. It's been plainly revealed in Jesus Christ. He's writing here to a church that was still discovering that, and it was something that he'd recently discovered. But we know, this is the revealed revelation of God, that the mystery of the gospel gospel is Jesus Christ and him crucified. It has been clearly made known to us through the Son of God. And so as A brief way of reminder, and I'm going to have to summarize a little bit as I go. I just wanted to quickly remind us what God's intention was originally. Because this is necessary to understand, I think, what Paul was saying here. God's intention, and we sang about his holiness this morning. And I'm so glad we did. And you sing about his holiness more. But God's intention all along. So I've just got a few things I'm going to read here. God, in his holy love, created a perfect world for us to live in, right? He did. That's what Genesis, that's the beginning of the account of, of Scripture and all of creation tells us. Sometimes living in Seapoint, and we've lived in Seapoint the last few years, it's felt almost like we're living in paradise. And then you walk, or we go down from your apartment out into the streets, and then you just see the reality of the world. You know? um, but God has created a, yeah, he's in, he created a perfect world for us to live in. He, and in. And in doing that, he was wanting to share genuine relationship with us, his most precious created beings, humankind. But in order for us to truly have a relationship with God, he couldn't force that upon us. He couldn't like pre-program us to have a relationship with him or to have a love for him. He gave us the ability to choose, which is human beings, we intrinsically have the ability to choose people, relationships, where we, all of that. He gave us the ability to choose. And so God, having given, given us this, ch- this choice, instead of choosing God, what did we choose? We chose, we chose ourselves. We chose to turn from loving God and the relationship with him to actually turning inward. And so began the corruption of humankind and the world that we live in and the entry of sin into the world we live we live in. And so life now, the world, the story, the history of the world is defined by re- rebellion towards God as opposed to love for God. True? But the mystery of the gospel in all of this, and this is a mystery, 
The mystery of the gospel in all of this is that despite this happening and God being God who would somehow know that this would happen, he decided from the very beginning that he was going to make a way for human beings to be restored back into relationship with him. That he's a God, he's a God who's holy, but he's a God who loves. And so it was on his heart from the beginning, even giving us choice, and then seeing us deny him and choose another way, even in that choice, he made a choice and said, I'm going to make a way, despite what you've done for you, to still be able to come back to me and love me, despite your imperfection and despite your sin. And hence the sending of the Son of God, right? Hence Jesus being sent as the one who'd come and live the perfect life and die the perfect death so that we could be restored back into relationship with God. Easter's in a couple of weeks, and that's what Easter is all about. And so you find that the reason I've touched on that is you find Paul speaking about the mystery of the gospel in Ephesians 6 here and calling us to stand strong in the gospel had already unpacked the gospel in Ephesians, right? In Ephesians 2, if we rewind a few chapters, he says here in Ephesians 2, he says, And you were dead in the trespasses of your sins in which you once walked. Speaking to the world, speaking to Jewish believers at that time, speaking to those who were willing to hear the gospel. He said, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of, of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Quickly pause there. It was so funny when there was that prayer equip a few weeks ago. Anyone go to that prayer equip time? A few people did. But I think it was, who was it that said it? It might have been Mike Davies who said to Ryan Kingsley, who we're going up to Benoni to work with in Joburg, and he said, you know, like we, we were all born sinners, right? This is what the Bible teaches us, except Ryan. Ryan, and Ryan came out perfect, loving God, praising God. He's, he's never done anything wrong. And it's so funny because Ryan can come across like that because he's just so strong in God. But even Ryan, in the depths of who he once was, was a sinner. He was dead in his sin and he needed a savior and that savior was Jesus Christ. Anyway, side notes. So it says here, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And then in Ephesians 2 verse 4, it says here, but God did not leave us in that state, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And so simply, and really what I got to say this morning is so simple because the gospel is simple, that is powerful. Paul was not saying in Ephesians 6 that once you were bad and now you are good and now in your strength of goodness, you need to keep on standing strong. That's not the gospel. We may do good things, but good things are never going to please him. What pleases him is the receiving of what his son did on behalf for us by faith and the receiving of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross brings us from a place of being dead in our sin to being made alive in Christ. And so when he calls us to stand in Ephesians 6, he's saying, just be reminded that you were dead in your sin. You now are alive in me. Keep on living in me. 
and let nothing steal that from you. Let the enemy not steal that from you. Let the world not steal that from you. Keep strong in me by, keep on, by keeping on reminding yourself what I have done for you. Amen. A few more things. It's so fascinating. Again, I find it fascinating. Maybe you don't. I'm not sure. But in Paul's writing of Ephesians 2, he says, stand strong at the end in chapter 6. In the beginning of chapter 2, he's talking here about what Jesus has done on our behalf, like death to life, not bad to good. And then he goes on a few verses later in Ephesians 2, 21 to 22, and he speaks about the fact that God is building a temple. God is building a place within the body of Christ for people who have been made alive in God to live together and to dwell together. Okay? Many of us will know that. And Paul knew that because he was a Jew and he knew the story of the nation of Israel and how significant and important the temple, the tabernacle, the tent, the tabernacle and the temple were to the Jews as a nation. And so as he's speaking to them and teaching them, he has these pictures in his mind. And I want to remind you of why this is so significant. Because he says here in Ephesians 6 that it is the mystery of the gospel that he's come to proclaim, right? He's reminded us in Ephesians 2 that God is rich in mercy and the incredible mystery that is revealed to the nation of Israel, but they missed it and are revealed to us today, is that at the center of the heart of God is the mercy of God. At the center of his beating heart is not some soft, fluffy love, but at the center of the heart of God is is the mercy of God. And the mercy of God cost God his very son. Think about that. And so you see in the nation of Israel, they're living their life. Everything was established around how they worshipped God. The way their tents were pitched. the, The way they, you know, in the day they followed the cloud at night. They, they, They saw the fire. This is way back in the old days. But at the center of their worship was always a place where God would want to meet with a leader or meet with a person or meet with a people, right? You with me? And so God had constructed their whole way of living and their whole pattern of living with the tabernacle and the temple at the center. It says in Exodus 25 verse 8, and I preached this the second time I ever preached in Greenpoint, I preached on this particular scripture, but you would have forgotten that three years ago. So I thought I'd just share with you <laughs> as I depart and leave. It says this, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in your midst. Exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so shall you make it. And so these were instructions given to the nation of Israel about where God would dwell, the tabernacle where God would live and how they would live around God, okay? Wherever God went, they went. And then it goes on a few verses later and it gives us vital information about what happens within that sanctuary. And it says in Exodus 25, Verse 22, I'll give the right scripture. It says this. I hope I gave you the right scripture. It says, And you shall put the mercy seats on the top of the ark. There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandments of the people of Israel. And so we see this incredible truth here. That God doesn't just speak arbitrarily. God 
but God, the, God's heart is revealed from his heart of mercy and he speaks to humankind from a place and a position of mercy. And so he speaks to the nation of Israel from above the mercy seat. And so he speaks to us as the church today from a heart of mercy, that we would know him as a God who's made a way for us to be restored back into relationship with him. Isn't that incredible? Eh? And so the Bible tells us, um, I'm now skipping over a whole lot of my notes because I need to try and land this. But the Bible tells us through the history of the nation of Israel, it says here that God spoke in many times and in many ways, but now in the time of the church, God has spoken to us by his son. We read in the New Testament that it is the blood that speaks a better word. And we know, now quickly rewinding to the Old Testament, that the priests would have to go in with a perfect sacrifice, a perfect lamb. They'd, you know, they'd kill that lamb, they'd take the blood, and where would they put the blood? They'd put the blood on top of the mercy seat. And that, the blood, the mercy of God spoke to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, and today it speaks to the church, and today it speaks to, human, to humankind and to the world through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. And so it says in Romans 3, 23 to 25, the blood speaking a better word says this, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? We have. If you don't know that, you need to know that today that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. That the only way for us to be restored back into relationship with him is for God's righteous anger, for the wrath of God towards sin to be poured out upon his son. And so God put his son forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And so maybe you're sitting here this morning going, Ross, that's a lot of big words. What in the world are you saying to me? What is the Bible saying to me? And so I'm going to quote someone else <laughs> because it's helpful. <laughs> it says this, Jesus died, listen to this, Jesus died because God is showing mercy. It was the mercy of God that gave us the cross, not the cross that gave us his mercy. If God had not been merciful, there would never have been an incarnation. That means the Son of God would never have descended and become a human being. If God had not been merciful, there would, there would have been no incarnation, no babe in the manger, no man on a cross, no open tomb, and therefore there would be no hope for us. This is the gospel. This is the mystery of the gospel that Paul was speaking about that day. In Ephesians 6, as he wrote it, he was saying, stand strong, not on your own strength, but actually stand strong in the mercy of God. And so I'm going to finish just by quickly reminding you of King David, probably the greatest example of any person in the Old Testament apart from maybe Moses. A man who desired to follow God with all his heart and whom God said, followed, this man followed me with all my heart. But David, despite how amazing he was, made some mistakes in his life. And many of us will know Psalm 51. And just to let this wash over you as a land this, 
David has sinned greatly. He's committed adultery. And he's, yeah, he's killed a person as well. It's not good stuff, man. It's not good at all. And David, realizing what he's done, says before God, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast, there's that word, Morris, steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. And he knew that. He knew he needed God's mercy. Why? Because he was a Jew. Because he knew. He knew where the temple was. He knew where God spoke from. God spoke from where? The mercy seat. The blood spoke a better word. And so David himself knew in that moment he needed God to forgive him. And the only way he could receive forgiveness by was, was by receiving the mercy of God. And so he said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot up my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. The only way to be washed, only way to be cleansed from your sin that you might be living in today is to receive the mercy of God. He says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And then he says, I haven't just sinned against people, which he had done. But he says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you might be justified in your words and blameless in your judgments. And then he says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, God, I know that you delight in truth in my inward being. And so Josh Jane Greenpoint this morning, yeah, as, we, as we transition out and God releases us into a new season, yeah, it's sad to go because we do. We love you as a people. We love you as a church. We love what God's doing here. And we know it feels like the best days are still to come, you know, and we won't be part of that. But your inheritance will still be our inheritance. And your future will still somehow be our future. I want to remind you and I want to implore you, I want to encourage you today to stand strong in the mercy of God. And just a few things I wrote here. I said, firstly, it is mercy to be saved from sin. You cannot save yourself. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, or you feel like living a good life is enough for God, it's not. Because it's, God doesn't say we're bad and that we must be good. He says your sin has killed you. Your sin is sending you to an eternal separation from God, from torment to hell. And so know that this morning. If you don't know him, you're heading there. And that's a terrible thought. But God has made a way for you to be saved through the sending of a son, it is mercy. He's given us the opportunity to come alive through faith in him. And so it is mercy to be saved from sin. It is mercy to know him, guys. It's mercy to love him. It's mercy to be used by him. When you succeed, it's mercy, guys. When you prosper, it's mercy. When you suffer, it's mercy. It's all mercy. When we stumble, it's mercy. When we fail, like King David, it's mercy. When we sin and we will sin, it's mercy. And so Josh in Green points, I'm going to read this because I think it's helpful. May you continue to be a people like Paul, who are willing and able to, to boldly declare the gospel of the mercy of God because you're standing in it and because you're living it. Josh in Green point, may you continue to be a people like David, who knew the mercy of God in his weakest moments and was able to turn those times of darkness into glorious light because he accepted 
the abundant mercy of God. Guys, this morning, I simply want to encourage you, as I believe the Apostle Paul was doing that day, stand strong in the mercy of God. And if you stand strong in the mercy of God, it means that one day when you stand before him, you're going to be received into an inheritance, an eternal inheritance with joy because you've been found in Christ. Amen? That's 23 minutes. Uh, um. Oh, thanks, guys. I know on a, day, on a morning like I received those clap, thank you. But I know on a morning like this morning, I could have said anything and it's still honor me, so thank you. Um, yeah, you want to pray? Yes. Yeah. So let me just, let, could, let's just close our eyes for a moment. And you know, like as I've been speaking this morning and, and, and God has been, yeah, at work in our hearts. You might be sitting here this morning and you realize, you know what, Ross? As you're speaking about the gospel and the mercy of God that Paul was commending these people to know and to live in and to, to, to declare, I've never experienced his mercy. You might have tried to make yourself good. You might have tried your best. And you know what? I think the Father looks at you this morning and he sees you trying your best and he has compassion on you. But his, his compassion to you is come to me today and know that trying your best is not enough. That we are human beings, frail, sinful human beings. And if we don't deal, if we don't allow God to deal with the sin in our lives, it's going to kill us. And separate us from the love of God for an eternity. And so this morning, you might, you might be realizing that you need to receive the mercy of God. You need to accept what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did on your behalf and realize that he's speaking to you from the cross. Like he spoke to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament from the mercy seat, today he's speaking to you from the cross. And you're realizing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. The mercy of God is being extended to you. And today you need to respond. And so, Father, God, I want to know your mercy. I want to receive it. I want to accept it. I want to be cleansed from my sin. And I want to be able to live in relationship with you. If that's you this morning, with our eyes closed, why don't you just stick your hand in the air and kneel and I with our eyes open. We will see. And we will recognize and we'll see that hand and we'll rejoice with you and we'll come and pray with you. So, Father, we just thank you for your mercy today. Thanks, Bru. Anyone else? Anyone else this morning who feels like they need to return to the mercy of God this morning. Thank you. I see another person just want to thank you. It's wonderful. Thank you, God. I'm just going to pray for us for a moment. Father, I want to pray this morning for an ability for those who put their hands up and maybe those also who didn't to receive by faith what you have done for them. To let the mercy of God, the love of God expressed in the mercy of God to flow into their hearts and lives and to change them. And the weight of sin to begin to fall off you and for you to be filled with the lightness of his love and his grace, that his mercy makes a way for his grace and his love to flow into our hearts and for us to be liberated and to come alive in him. And so, Father, we want to thank you for what you have done, the way that you've made for us to be restored back into relationship with you, we, like Paul, want to boldly proclaim the mystery, which is not a mystery, the truth 
of what Jesus Christ has done for us in saving us from our sin and bringing us back into relationship with God. Thank you, Father. Amen.